0: This week on Dig Me Out. Come the oh,
1: yeah. come the
2: With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi.
1: Jay, this week we're back with another one of our patron-selected episodes. This one was a little bit different in that we've done this maybe once or twice before. The person who was picking their album, their 12-month anniversary, needed some help. So we made this a poll. Yes. Introduce yourself, as
0: Faith Moore would say. (laughs) <laughs> i am jim laskowski and yes i am a very indecisive individual <laughs> i have so many favorite records it's ridiculous uh but i'm glad that the audience was out there to help what were your three uh, options mark lanigan's uh oh gosh i just <laughs> i just blanked on the album title whiskey for the holy uh, ghost I, thank you yes yes i was thinking like whiskey tango fox no it's I'm getting all those album <laughs> titles mixed up um And then, of course, The Flaming Lips, Clouds Taste Metallic, and uh, Sparkle Horse, Good Morning Spider.
1: Which was our winner with 43% of the vote. I would be more
2: troubled, I'm more troubled by people who are not decisive on their picks. It's like, really, you only got, you you were able to pick one album that quickly and easily? (laughs) It should be difficult.
1: I know, there's so many records. Everybody struggled with this in terms of i don't know which one to pick these are all good options you know every run of these records should be reviewed at some point now in fairness we have featured mark Lanigan on this show before when we did the screaming trees dust album many years back Mm -hmm. so if you were like i want to hear something new you would have gone with the flaming lips or sparkle horse some people did But the actual winner ended up being, like I said, Sparkle Host with 43%. And then Clouds Taste Metallic by the Fling Lips came with 33%. And Whiskey for the Holy Ghost, 23%. So that only comes up to 99%. I want to know what happened to the last 1% of votes. (laughs) Did they lose them in Florida? What's going on?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. There's that's always a one percent somewhere,
1: right? I know there's a plus Margin or minus, of... but yeah. I'm really confused as to where that plus or minus ended up. Um, so, Jay and I, we have to we have to tell everyone uh, there is a thing that's going to happen later, as you know. Last Dang. two episodes, Jay, we've been talking about Studio mm-hmm. and their Navoa earphones that we have been testing out. Hmm. We're going to give away a pair on this show.
2: Yes, nice. <laughs> finally.
1: Yes. Wow. One of our patrons, who is a patron as of the recording of this episode, which is uh, Sunday the 2nd of December, anyone who's currently a patron, they're eligible to win, and we are going to use the wheel of names, which I've used in the past. We're going to select a name, and someone's going to come away with a very cool pair of Studio Nivoa headphones, or earphones, excuse me. And if you don't win, you can just use a 15% off DigMeOut code at studio.com with free shipping and a cool holiday box that they ship it in. I mean, everybody's a winner with that. So even if you don't win the headphones, excuse me, earphones, I keep calling them headphones, but they don't go on your head. They go in your ears.
2: Also known as in-ear monitors or IEMs
1: whoa jay got super technical (laughs) yeah uh let's do some quick comments here on this particular uh, album let's see who who talked about sparkle horse oh frank garcia hell he said this was tough great albums but sparkle horse please i'm aware of the term underrated i'm aware the term underrated is a dirty word but sparkle horse was just that and their discography was super solid it's just a shame mart linkus isn't still with us that was the only one this is another case... Well, no, sorry. Keith Sawyer. Clearly, Sparkle Horse here he had the good fortune to catch him on tour for this one. An excellent live performer.
2: Come on. Rachel Branson. Hard choice, but have to go for Sparkle Horse. Oh, she did? his output is completely untouchable.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry, Rachel. I missed that. But Wendy Beeler went with The Lips. Eric Peterson went with Mark Lanigan. Scott Witt went with uh, Lanigan. Johnny Hooper. He says, clouds taste metallic. Uh, James Stelter said, lips. Did I miss anybody? Peter Matheson, whiskey for the Holy Ghost. The votes did not match the comments once again. Way more votes than comments for Sparkle Horse. I don't know how we're all happens. We're all
2: about the action. It is. Gotta, gotta vote. Mm-hmm. Talk is
0: cheap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cliche, cliche. Cliche.
0: Um, when did you first discover this record, Jim? Oh man, yeah, it's it's a, it's really interesting. I remember picking this up at a record store uh, in Northwest Indiana, right outside of Chicago, and I, I remember I think I even walked in to the sound of the song "Sick of Goodbyes" playing, and I also happened to be a, a Cracker fan at the time too. So I got into the co- a conversation with the owner, and suddenly realized he was kind of he was selling me on this this new sparkle horse record he was playing similar, similarly to how he sold me on uh, Jeff Buckley's Grace uh, a <laughs> very different record but still uh, a seminal one for me and i you know the more i heard of it while i was just sort of browsing in the record store the more i responded to it just because of its diversity of sound and yet the record felt pretty homemade you know i i still get a i, I get a thrill whenever i hear like, the sounds of my very first keyboard on any record. It's the Casio SK-1. Um, and I i know I don't, I don't know if he used it specifically on this album, but I know he had uh, a couple of those, and uh, w- one of them wound up in the... Or the one, I think, his, maybe his first Casio wound up in the possession of uh, uh, Stephen of the Flaming Lips after he passed. But I, I just remember, like, instantly responding to this album and wanting to know more about this band. And, you know, I hadn't heard the one before this, but um, I certainly, it was really hard for me to actually choose between the two of them because I feel like they, they're both really strong. And as somebody pointed out in the, in the Patreon, there is this, 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 this discography is really, really consistent for me. I, I mean, I wouldn't say my favorite is the one that followed this. It's a wonderful life from uh, 2001 i believe that's still my personal favorite but this one is probably a close second uh, for a lot of reasons that i'm sure we'll get into and this record came out in Ju-
1: july of 1998 released on Capitol. mark linkus is primarily the person who plays everything um, but yeah. he does have some folks come in and play you know like drums on a tracker here and there or violin pedal steel that kind of stuff david lowry plays uh guitar and on a couple tracks. Vic Chestnut appears as the answering machine voice on a uh, (laughs) track seven. Primarily, Sparkle Horse was Mark Linkus, who was born in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and as far as I know, recorded most of his stuff there. uh, He had like a farm there that he recorded at. Uh, And his first album, uh, let me try to pronounce this, Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot came out in 1995. And, um, I remember when that came out, I don't know if you do Jay, but I remember that being on, uh, the radio in terms of college radio and I was playing it at a Rio station. And then he actually had a very serious health issue. Um, he lost the use of both legs after a, I guess like an overdose. Um, Yeah. And, um, he was in a wheelchair for six months and he had to have a bunch of surgeries. And then this was the record that followed it up in 1998. Good morning, spider. And then he also released in 2001, It's a Wonderful Life. In 2006, Dreamt for Light Years in the Belly of a Mountain. And then there was the, I don't know if you call it an album, it's more of a project, Dark Knight of the Soul, which was with Danger Mouse along with a number of other people. Um, There was like a number of collaborations. And then I think there was, it was supposed to be released and there was a legal dispute because Danger Mouse was involved and he was in the... He was in a lawsuit because of the gray album that he had put out, which was the the white album, black album, uh, mashup.
0: Oh right, yeah.
1: Linkus died of suicide in March of two thousand ten while that was still in limbo, and then that ended up coming out after his death, the Dark Knight of the Soul project. So this is those five releases plus some EPs and singles are the entirety of the um, release catalog for Mark Linkus. I know there's nothing being released posthumously in terms of like, as far as I can tell, uh, additional
0: work. Yeah. I know the, the Linkus estate is really stingy. Like I know that there were, that uh, a mental health non-for-profit organization wanted to put out like a tribute album to Sparkle Horse, but the Linkus estate just wouldn't have it. Hmm. So I don't know if we'll ever get any additional material, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, let's talk about this record. Jay, one thing you liked about Good Morning Spider by Sparkle Horse.
2: It's an interesting sound um, that he puts together in that uh, it's a little collage Um, It's a little, um, I guess, DIY sounding, but it's not low fidelity, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it still sounds big and full and well-produced and engineered, but it's got... Uh, between the instrument choices and then some of the effects that are used, the way the vocals are treated, and then just overall how it's produced, and that there's, you know, mix of I guess what might be loops or sounds and the way things kind of come in and out, it, it just sounds like I don't know to me like cut and pasted, which is part of the aesthetic, which I think works really well. So it's just a very interesting listen. I uh, I think I got into the band around this time and then I went back and got the first record and. Um, I think I had the first three uh, that I had spent time with. I remember it, you know, a little down and a little bit experimental. But I think the other thing that stood out to me on this revisit was, um, you know, there's some good just pop uh moments on this record yeah. in terms of you know pop rock, or power pop, or however, or uh, times even Brit pop sounding. Like track one, Pig, to me has a very Brit poppy kind of supergrass sound to it. That was the part that um, I didn't remember. I mean, I remember enjoying it, but I just remember it being more of like a, you know, a headphone album that was a little bit, you know, slower and experimental and um, maybe a little bit more, you know, dark. Um, I don't remember the brighter moments, which I enjoyed quite a bit revisiting it. So it, it's a unique sound. It's a unique approach. And then just musically, um, you know, the material is uh, it's pretty broad. And I think that's the part I don't remember uh, it being. Um, as broad as it is, you, you hear some alt country things in there. You hear some just alternative stuff. You hear, you know, like Beatles, you hear little Jayhawks in here. You hear some Brit pop. Like it covers a lot of ground that, uh, that I don't remember at the time. So I think those two things that were, were what really stood out to me is, is, uh, just the overarching big positives.
1: Yeah. There's, uh, you mentioned tract one. I, I really liked, um, Track eight, which is kind of in that same vein, of it. This is a quote unquote, you know, like uh, home recording in terms of him doing it at him, by himself at his house. And I feel like that song kind of sums it up. It's the first half of it is you hear this song and it sounds like it's being played on the radio and it like you can't quite dial it in. And mm-hmm. then, like, halfway through the song, it almost completely fades out and then it comes back and it actually comes in full and Mm -hmm. it's you know this really catchy sort of indie rock sounding song that wouldn't doesn't sound out of place at all in the probably more closer to the early to mid 90s than uh, 98 but it's sort of the perfect uh, summation of this record where it's like a lot of it is uh, really tuned into like this pop but then he just sort of twists and turns it so it doesn't quite sound radio friendly he does enough stuff with it that it you know it's just sort of off kilter enough that you can't quite focus it as a as a pop song but there's definitely a really sharp sense of pop sensibility when it comes to the songwriting whether it's a song like sick of goodbyes or um hey joe and then he I like when he brings in that nasty sort of direct guitar sound. It's on Ghost of His Smile as well. Track 14.
2: And days green Like the waters Of a river rushing to the sea And here she comes again Down the Down the staircase He never passes without saying hello And then we thought that he was
0: doing all right
1: There's just a lot of cool tones. Sometimes they get a little abrasive, and it's nice, like on Pig, the opening track that you mentioned. It has, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, it has like a super, super grass, or even like a placebo at their like most up tempo. Yep. Um, oh yeah, totally. And then you get like the really pretty sounding songs, like saint mary or sunshine or something like that where they're they're you know acoustic or just or there's like piano and it's very light um and it's a nice variety of of sounds that he's got going across the whole long record it's i mean it's a 17 track 53 minute record so it covers a lot of ground yeah in that time.
0: i uh i remember reading um a review calling it manic depressive at the time and i was like well, i don't know i don't know how i feel about the music being described that way but you can certainly i guess pinpoint even just sonically the first two songs couldn't be more of a contrast with one another
2: mm-hmm. and
0: just and just like here's the ugly here's the you know the dark stuff here's me like screaming into a microphone and swearing and everything and then the next song is like I'm kind of lying in a hospital and hospital bed in pain, and doing his more subdued, uh, whispery vocals, and I, I really love that. I mean, that, that my favorite records kind of do that. They kind of go go all over the map uh, and just try out different things. And he loved spending time, you know, alone in the studio with his like thrift shop discoveries and you know, the, like just these little gadgets and sort of experimenting. And like you mentioned, he sort of recorded out in the uh, in like a country in a barn or a cabin. And I think I think a lot of his lyrical imagery also reflects that, like just the he embraces a lot of nature and animal perspectives pretty much throughout his entire discography. Like, you know, he might be writing from different points of view, but it all comes across as like from him in this really direct and kind of beautiful and sincere way. And I just I love I love everything about his lyric writing, because um, I mean, he started out like really loving A&R, you know, pop music from the 70s. And he's like, you know, yeah, I still I still love Badfinger. But to be honest, uh, once I discovered like Tom Waits and Daniel Johnston, that's when I completely discovered what I wanted music to be and what I felt pop music should be at the time, like. I, I really appreciated that he brought the, the lo-fi elements and the more experimental into pop music. And he does that kind of throughout the record.
1: Well, it reminds yeah. me a lot of what Bob Pollard does in the sense that like, he's got a really keen sense of pop melody, but he's also willing to like completely overshadow the pop melody with, you know, nasty sounding guitars and recording it on mm-hmm. a cassette and not worrying about the fidelity of it. Whereas the fidelity of this is actually really good. Yeah. You're, not, you're not listening to this thinking, oh, I wish this was recorded better. Like, um, In a lot of ways, it reminded me of the, the last record that we just did, J. Eric Matthews, in that everything sounds really strong. It's just a different approach in the sense that it's not a really refined or um, mannered approach like with Eric Matthews in doing that yeah. orchestral pop. This is more of a straight indie rock or alternative rock approach with um you know with the various sounds that he's using and then also just the songwriting is it's much more conventional
2: yeah when you i think what's interesting is when you isolate the the instruments themselves um sometimes they're not very well recorded or what you would consider traditionally recorded um or like some of the clean guitar stuff like uh it it almost sounds cheesy by itself but when you put it all together it it makes this whole other thing and it's very full and it doesn't sound poorly recorded or um you know some of those clean guitar tones that get a little bit bluesy or even funky at times you're like oh no this all works together now i think that's what's really for me compelling about this is just the it is the sum of its it's very much the sum of its parts in that uh it makes a hole that you, when you break it down, you wouldn't expect. Even some of his vocals, you know, the, mm-hmm. the way he layers some of his voices and things. If you listen to the individual individual voices or the way that they're being produced, they don't sonically, you wouldn't say like, oh, that sounds great. But like it all c- comes together in a way that it's, it works really well and sounds really good. So I think from that aspect, it's very unique.
0: I re- I really like the layering of vocals on top of one another. He does the kind of like you know John Lennon thing that he does on Julia that I just think is really I I probably subconsciously stole that for when I record that I just like layering vocals on top of one another even if they're not harmonies. Mm-hmm. He does that a lot here too. Yeah.
1: And what I noticed in when listening to him, I so we'll get into talking about earphones in a, a little bit but the thing that I picked up on is that they're sometimes they're panned left and right What you normally think mm. of vocals is that they're down the middle. But he'll actually pan the vocals to the left and the right, and then that sort of creates this unique sound with regards to the way his vocals are recorded. Um, I never really think of vocals being panned that way, at least a lead vocal, except when you're dealing with like, you know, you know, 19 early 1960s Beatles <laughs> recordings where you have like everything in one side and then vocals in the other or that kind of thing. So it was uh, it was interesting to hear that. Sort of mix that's a little bit different. Now that I've brought up headphones, Jay, we should probably give some away.
2: Let's do it.
0: Woo!
1: Yeah! So just going into this, let's just tell everybody. um, Studio they provided us with each with a pair of the Novoa earphones, inner ear. uh, What'd you call them, Jay? The IEDs. I I I I I IEM. IEM. Inner monitors. Inner monitors. Uh, We've been testing them out. I I got mine late, so I got I only got to use mine a little bit before the previous episode. I got to spend the whole week now with the current ones, and I. I did the grocery store test where I took them to the grocery store and walked around. I listened to this album as I walked around yeah. the grocery store and, um, <laughs> uh, it was great. You know, I, you, you mentioned, I tried different fits with the various, yeah. um, tips that they provide and found ones that like, you know, I was walking around, I'm going looking around, you know, opening up freezer <laughs> containers and, you know, they never fell out. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Like they were nice and snug <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
2: You were the weird dude just in your own little world wandering around the grocery store. I was. Completely unaware of anything else going on.
1: Right. Yeah. People were like, what is that guy? What are those? (laughs) What?" (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was me walking around the grocery store at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday with uh, those things sticking out of my ears. But they were great. Total. Like you said, it really blocks out. When you find the right fit, it really blocks out the sound of uh, everything yeah. around you
2: it affects the tone too so I, I went back to the larger ones and found that i get better bass with the larger for my ears so I, i'm sticking with the larger uh oh, actually nice. I, i'm cheating i bought uh um foam so a company called comply c-o-m-p-l-y makes foam tips for in-ear monitors so i'm gonna try foam because then you can squish them up yeah put them in your ears and they expand and they fit perfectly Um, see what see what i think of those with these
1: i also got to um you know just do stuff around the house with them every step of the way they were um they stayed in place and i like you said there's a good balance between bass and treble, and Mm -hmm. um really enjoyed using them
2: this was a good record to listen to with that headphone. i i would have thought this record i would like i would like it with more open headphones so like different headphones sound different ways so usually i like like headphones that are open meaning right uh, there's no back on them so you get more space sound but these this album actually sounds really good with in ears because um it's dry Mm -hmm. so some of that panning stuff that goes on it's really pronounced in a cool way so either his vocal it's like right in your head (laughs) yeah yeah there's one song there's this hi-hat pattern the right channel and uh, I mean, it's soft. It's not annoying, but you're like the separation of it, and just the way that it's produced, and you know, the dryness, and just having it just like straight, right, right in your ears. It, it it's really a cool listen. So, mm-hmm. uh, just in general, I'd recommend listening to this record if you've got a pair of in-ear headphones. Try it out in that because I think it's really well produced for that type of uh type of speaker.
1: All right, Jay. Now's the time. I have brought in show announcer my wife, Katie Menichi.
0: Evening. Hey Katie. Yay, yay.
2: You can pick any patron, Katie, just not Jim. <laughs> Cuz that'll get weird.
1: She just came down to to read the name. So I'm going to I'm going to spin the wheel. I've entered all of our folks onto the random name picker, which is at www.classtools.net. It's like Joseph's
2: amazing technical dream coat.
1: Yes, it is. So I'm gonna spin it, and then someone is going to be winning a pair of the Navoa studio headphones. Here we go. Spinning.
0: It's spinning. It's <laughs> glorious.
2: Is it like the beach ball on your Mac when it's uh it's frozen?
1: It's spinning. It's slowing down. Oh, it's slowing down.
2: This is so exciting. It's so exciting. <laughs>
1: oh. It's oh Wheel of Fortune. We have a winner.
0: Crawford Blair. Well What's done, a cool name? sir. Or madam. There it is.
1: Congratulations, Crawford. You have won the Studio Navoa earphones. They are so cool. Super cool. Katie, thank you so much. No, no. Thank you. <laughs> she was so happy to do that.
0: It was exciting. <laughs> I felt my heart race. <laughs>
1: Sorry you didn't win, Jim.
0: Um, That's okay. It would have been... I might. I could use the new pair of headphones. Maybe I'll take advantage of the offer. Well, here, 15%, Jim. Here's the thing:
1: fifteen percent off. Use DMO. You get free shipping, and when you order right now, you get a really nice gift box. <sighs> I know. Nice. Which you could reuse for exactly. something else. Perhaps yeah. perhaps to give someone else a gift. Or you could order two of these and give them one of the pair. So you can go to studio.com to order your studio headphones, earphones, the tray, the regent, the Navoa. We've reviewed them all, we've liked them all. I'm actually when I record the uh, the episodes of the podcast, I'm using my Regent every week. Um and then you can go on to the various Locations on the internet, such as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you can find out all the info uh, and look at the posts for uh, various products that they have. If you're interested in some like technical stuff, which we should probably mention, uh, playtime is three and a half hours on the Navoa, but if you charge the little case, that gives you a total of seventeen and a half hours. So the little, the case that they come in that charges them actually holds a charge itself. So you can carry that around with you. And we didn't even talk about this, Jay, but they do have a a microphone.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't used it yet. Have you?
1: I have not either.
2: I don't get very many phone calls.
1: I, I, I honestly don't answer it when it rings. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) I honestly. I don't know
2: anyone who does. I honestly avoid (laughs) phone calls at all costs, but.
1: So maybe one day I'll try that out, but. Um it's not going to happen right now.
2: The last thing on these we've talked about the magnet that yep. locks them into the case. Have you tried to put the right one in the left side?
1: It won't go in. It fights you.
2: How awesome was that?
1: It was so cool.
2: Cuz I was like I went to go put them in I was like oh shit I'm going to get these mixed up and then I'll, I'll have to figure it out when I take them back out. It wouldn't let me put it in the wrong one. I was
1: like that's brilliant. It it actually denied your incorrect uh
2: attempt. <laughs> Magnets. How do those work?
1: i don't know let's let's ask thanks again to studio for partnering with us for this last couple of weeks and for this giveaway everybody go to studio.com or check the show notes for links on this episode let's get back into talking about this record from sparkle horse talked about what we liked let's get into maybe what we don't like or doesn't work for us on this album i'll just stay up front that some of the some of the record drags for me and it's also not, not that it's they're not bad songs i just there's a lot more slower stuff than there is up tempo stuff and over a 17 song 53 minute album that became more pronounced i think If this had been released in the vinyl age this would probably be a more concise and easier to digest record but i just found myself when there was a couple of slower songs up against each other i found myself sort of wandering a little bit mentally i don't know if you had that problem jay or not
2: yeah yeah i mean this record had me locked in up into hey joe and then between hey joe and ghost of a smile which is track 14 so it's between nine and fourteen uh, I struggle a little bit through that section of the record I think all of the songs between there are good I don't dislike any of them individually it's just a bit of a slog to get through it um, yeah so I'm with you on you know the classic too much material here uh, could be thinned out um, and, and a little bit sharper um some of the production stuff uh, just the kind of the interludes the false starts the uh, in particular, the the happy man like radio effect thing. I like that song so much. I just wish the song was just there. Um, yeah, you didn't have to listen to it like mm-hmm. with with interference for a minute or a half or whatever. That, that's like a whole first verse. I'm sure at the time it's it was fun to do, but now you know, twenty whatever years later, it's I I'd, I'd just love to hear that song uh, without all the bullshit. So that's kind of my only. Those are my only two. Uh, with this record i
0: don't yeah i don't necessarily get restless i understand like yeah it's probably it could be trimmed a bit and i think i mean i think for me maybe on occasion like the filtered whispery vocals i mean i love i pretty much love them throughout i think just at a couple of times i I i prefer the purity of his voice rather than going through like a like a like a super high condenser mic or something it's kind of like that same distorted microphone sound that's like used in cannibal by the breeders
1: mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. times,
0: you know, I think like, I just, I like, I like him. No, I don't want to say normal, but it's like pure and, and simple and kind of not uh, filtered through effects. And I, I mean, when he does the slower songs, it's like you mentioned, it does sound like he's kind of like whispering right to you. And I love that effect. Um, and I, and I do like the, you know, the, at the, I want one point with the song, uh, Maria 's little elbows, a little nod to uh, velvet underground that's a that 's a really key moment for me because that's it 's another one of my favorite records and it 's nice to hear um, a little shout out to one of my favorite records in the middle of one of my favorite records. <laughs>
1: I think the thing that is frustrating, Jay, what you mentioned with chaos of the galaxy and then happy man is that it's doing something that's artistic and interesting, but it actually like overthinks the the song in some way. When mm-hmm. I think about when like Billy Corrigan was like, well, I left songs off of a door because they were too pop and I didn't want a, a radio single, uh, you know, to, on this record, I wanted I wanted it to be more of an album, and you're like, dude, just put the radio single on the album. Like, how many? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and that and that radio single that I think it's called "Let Me Give the World to You." It's probably one of the best Smashing Pumpkin songs, and it never really got an official release. I don't think. No,
1: you're right. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's like probably on the re-release when they did the the vinyl re-release with the expanded edition and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like it's you're getting in your way getting in your own way and that that's why i feel like sometimes happens on this record with regards to like happy man that would have been yeah. a great song and i would love to hear it unmolested but right now <laughs> it's 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 i i have to strain and i'm like you know listen to the first half of that so, that song and it's like a first full verse and chorus and then it like goes into like just sort of static and then you come back in the second verse chorus, I just like, I wish I wish he had done, maybe just split that into two songs and like actually do what he like what he does with Box of Stars, doing a part one and a part two. I wish he had done that instead with with Happy Man, so I could have just gotten that as a full song. Um, no. it just was like it was frustrating because it's like self sabotage almost, where you have this maybe potential single and then it. Yep. It uh, it's muted. It can it can't be used in that way. Mm-hmm. So that was my really my only complaint. I agree with you, Jade. Like it's just sort of that run after. Hey Joe, there's where it gets a little. It just drags a little bit for me, and I just in the back half of the record, I find myself like tuning out a little bit. Whereas I think if this had been maybe a twelve or thirteen song record, because a lot of these songs are very short, I think I would have stayed in in tune for the whole thing but, but that's my only complaint i mean it's such a strong first 10 songs that uh yeah
2: it, and it finishes pretty strong i think ghost a yeah. smile is a great song i love how that's produced it's very super compressed and interesting yeah um, it sounds like
0: uh sounds like granddaddy almost with uh yeah. with that little uh twinkly keyboard sound yes like since like
2: Everything sounds direct, and it's 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 very unique. Hundreds of sparrows, I think, as well, is a is a good song. So I, I think the record ends on a strong note. And I don't know. I think individually, like if those songs were released on like B sides or as another EP, I think it would be great. Like I I don't necessarily think any of them were bad. It's just a lot of material. Um. So I, I could see that part of the record being trimmed up a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I don't remember. I know this did well critically when it came out, but I don't remember this, anything being played on the radio. Do you guys?
2: I don't know. I, there, I mean, sick of goodbyes really stood out to me, like remembering that. I mean, I, I had listened to the record at the time, so it could very well bend from that, but you know, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good rock song for that time. Um, I don't know if that got any play. I could see, you know, kind of reminded me of cracker a little bit, maybe,
0: Um, Yeah. I think it did in Chicago. I think, you know, there's like a kind of like an alternative rock station that played that song on, not not on a regular basis, but certainly played it because of maybe that cracker connection going on at the time. But yeah, I mean, I, I I know that like, this is, Sparkle Horse became one of those bands that everybody, you know, a lot of favorite songwriters, a lot of great songwriters uh, would just, fell in love with not only the music but the person because he was so sensitive and tender as a, as a is a human being in general like whenever they would run into his shows or whatever what they would just say like this guy just has a beautiful gentle soul and he's able to like tap into this darkness and i think i think it makes sense that's why like david lynch decided to collaborate with him for that project dark knight of the soul too because he sort of does that same thing, and I know that uh, Mark was a huge David Lynch fan and sort of loves, you know, singing about insects and horses and 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 different images that wouldn't be out of place in like some surreal art pieces. Or a lot of his inspiration. I even think the title for the first album is inspired by a dream he had, where he thought of like all these musicians playing underwater in a submarine.
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: So he gets a lot of really interesting. I think that's the one thing I responded to the most when I finally sat down and like, looked at the lyrics. I was like, this is really interesting lyrics. I mean, a lot of it, I think, is bathed in a lot of just recurring themes and imagery. But it just says so much about him as a person, too, and just how much he connects to the world.
1: Um, so there there were singles released. Um, Pain Birds and Sick of Goodbyes mm. were the singles that were released.
0: I like that muted trump- trumpet in pain birds. That's a really cool moment.
1: Yeah, that, there's a lot of nice little um,
2: introductions of different instruments throughout this record that they almost make like little cameos that help push the record along. Even in that span I talked about, like Come On Come on In has some like xylophone or something going on in there that is unique to that song and yeah, that trumpet that appears um, it does a good job of or different organ sounds or keyboard sounds or strings or even a guitar tone, like there's this, it's almost like a guest appearance uh, happens on every song or every other song of a new new sound um, that keeps you engaged in the record. Um, it's like, oh, I didn't expect to hear that. Okay, that's kind of cool. You know, and then two songs later, there's something else that you does that again, which I think is a great concept.
1: Let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP or decent single? Jim, I'll start with you.
0: I think you know where I stand. <laughs> Definitely a worthy album. I, I I think I like the one that follows it a little bit more, but again, I mean, there is a 15 minute it's almost like what he did with uh with Happy Man and sort of like um you know, made made a overlong 15 minute song at, to end the album with, where I think he could have probably split it into two separate songs. Um, cuz it's like one of those things where you have to wait for, you have to wait out for like three minutes of silence before hearing the final song, um, which I've never been a fan of in any record, really. But I I, I still think Good Morning Spider is, is is a tremendous record and a really good summation of these different sounds of the 90s and of, you know, Mark's strengths as a songwriter. I think this is a really great place to start because, uh, well, that's where I started and I became a huge fan and still am to this day. Jay?
2: Worthy album. Uh, I think everything Jim said, I agree with. It is a nice uh, little time capsule of the 90s, too. Um, not that, I don't think it sounds overly dated. I think it still holds up pretty well, but it does, it is reminiscent or recall a lot of what was going on with other artists in the 90s and what came after this. And um, so it's a kind of a nice little time capsule, um, mm-hmm. which I agree with. This would be an interesting, like, double album, you know, had it been, Treat it that way um, mm-hmm. If you're going to keep all this material Like figure out how you would break it up into two discs And you know maybe it It would work uh, In that way so I don't often give albums that are I mean uh, Breaking fi- 50 minutes worthy albums I think We tend to go to EP With right. those but um, Yeah I don't think there's any bad songs on here um, So uh, and I think it's it's an important record, so uh, I'm definitely a worthy album.
1: I am too. O- other than, you know, some back half issues with some drag and maybe some uh, maybe one or two production things that I would have changed. Uh, I, it's a really interesting record. I think when you get into the lyrics, um, which I only had a very surface sort of look at them, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Some of it's kind of dark and um knowing what happened with him um I think if you're in the if you're not in a good mood I don't know if you want to listen to this or read the (laughs) lyrics because it might be a little heavy just sonically just to listen to what he does with you know a lot of like you said earlier Jim you know just like thrift store instruments it's really interesting um what a sonic palette he produces so it's a Interesting record in that respect.
2: I think if you're a musician, too, or a person that records your own music, it's inspiring. You know, he's one of those artists where yeah, I get ideas as I listen to this. and
0: Yeah, for sure. I
2: just find the whole thing, you know, to be inspirational.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's, and uh, such a great use of, uh, I think it's more on the next record again, but Mellotron just happens yeah. to be one of my favorite sounds in the world. Yep. So I'm just, anytime I hear it, I'm just giddy. So
2: I'm a sucker for Mellotron as well. Interesting uh, that uh, on Apple Music this is l- listed under uh, the pop genre. <laughs> so hmm.
1: it's a hard one to pin down. I mean, yeah, yeah it is pop, but it's twisted and yeah. bent, yeah. and you know. Right. Uh, so I need to thank our patrons who commented. Congratulations to Crawford Blair winning the Studio Novia. You can go to Dig Me Out. Or excuse me, Patreon, patreon.com Patreon. forward slash Dig Me Out and be eligible. There, you know, this was an early giveaway. There might be another one this winter, uh, before the end of the year. Keep your ears open for something that might happen. <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
0: A, cr- a Christmas gift, maybe?
1: Perhaps a Christmas miracle. Or, or
2: just join us at Patreon. You don't have to do anything other than join us. And then yeah. maybe surprise you and say, Hey, you won something
1: surprise. <laughs>
0: one of us, one of us. <laughs> uh,
1: and also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a positive feedback at iTunes. Jim, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And, oh, it's, uh, it's a
0: tremendous honor and a pleasure I've I've probably tweeted a couple of times at this point that you're one of my favorite podcasts out there, music or otherwise. So thank you for having me on.
1: Anything you'd like to plug before we depart?
0: Wow. Um, yeah, I, I have a cool podcast network if you're into film and certainly uh, you're familiar with uh, Jim Hankey of Vinyl Emergency. So his podcast is also available at nowplayingnetwork.net along with a slew of other great content. Um, a lot of pop culture-based stuff hoping to expand on it a little bit more next year as a matter of fact. So check out now playing network.net or, you know, you, you know where to find me, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff.
1: Excellent. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out.
2: Thanks
0: for listening to support the podcast. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.